What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Welcome back. We have a very special episode for you today. My guest is Leanne Luce. She is a product manager at Google, as well as a blogger at The Fashion Robot. Leanne is also the author of a newly published book called Artificial Intelligence for Fashion, which is all about how AI is transforming the fashion industry. Now, here's someone I could have talked to forever. Our conversation covers so much that I'm actually breaking up the interview into two parts. One thing you should know... Early on in the conversation, Leanne references a video that I posted to Instagram and Twitter at the Consumer Electronics Show in January, and this video had a sort of viral moment. And the video was of me trying an augmented reality mirror called UCAM that enables you to change your hair color on your live video at the touch of a button. The video has since gone viral with more than half a million views to date. If you want to watch the clip yourself, visit Electric Runway on Instagram. We're at electric underscore runway. And the reason we bring this up in the conversation is because the app is a perfect example of how new emerging technologies like AI and AR are finding real commercial uses in fashion and beauty and actually changing the way we make purchasing decisions. More on that to come. Without further ado, here is part one of my two-part interview with Leanne Luce, author of Artificial Intelligence for Fashion. Leanne, congrats on the new book. What made you want to write a book on AI for the fashion industry? So there were a few reasons why I wanted to write this book. Firstly, I love fashion. I studied fashion design in college at RISD. And ever since I can remember, I was obsessed with clothing. At three years old, I would put on fashion shows for anybody that walks through our door. But the second reason was that technology, especially AI, is really capturing the curiosity of of many of my peers and, and certainly of myself. So combination of these things made it a really exciting subject matter to bring together. And then it also had these secondary reasoning, uh, which is the fashion industry is predominantly women. And I was really excited to reach a predominantly female audience with a book about technology that was really written on their terms. And I'm also excited because it's an industry of artisanship. And in this increasingly zeros and ones type of culture that we're living in, I think the human touch is as important as ever. Okay. And then speaking of, you know, zeros and ones, you work for Google full time. So can you talk about that a little bit? I can't say too much about that. But yes, I'm a product manager at Google. I work on the geodata team, which is kind of a far cry from fashion at this point, but certainly related to machine learning. But I've often found that product managers are some of the most creative people within an organization. Have you found that? These are people who are really seeing technology for the possibility that it has. And they're certainly some of the creators that I work with. Okay, so now back to your book. It's called Artificial Intelligence for Fashion, and it helps clarify a lot of tech buzzwords. And let's define them for our audience right now. 
What's AI and how does it relate to machine learning? Sure. Uh, AI is a really big concept and it encompasses the general idea of recreating human-like intelligence in machines. That's not meant to be taken super literally. But to go further, machine learning is really just a way of achieving AI. It's a subset of that industry or depends on subject matter, however you would like to categorize it. And it's usually focused on very constrained problems. So machine learning will take a large set of data and learn from that data and then automate some of the processes that are currently done by humans. And so let's start with a form of really recognizable AI that people may have encountered if they use Facebook, and that's called a chatbot. So what is an AI chatbot and why do you think that they have grown in popularity over the last few years? Chatbots are incredibly engaging and also messenger apps are outpacing social media apps and I think these are two really big trends that are driving the popularity of chatbots. I want to make sure I'm clear that chatbots, I'm, when I'm talking about them in the book and here, I'm talking about text-based interfaces. So there are also voice-based interfaces that are a little bit different. Chatbots in fashion are really interesting because they provide the opportunity to scale one-to-one -one services. And what that means is, for example, you imagine you walk into a retailer, you see a sales associate, you chat with them about what you're looking for, and they point you into the direction of the products that you're describing. In fashion, that's the concept of a chatbot. It just lives online. So for example, within, let's say, Facebook Messenger, if you went on Michael Kors, you could start this kind of service engagement conversation with an agent, but it's actually an AI on the other end. So they're able to handle things like show me women's blouses or shirts, but not things more complicated than that, or they need to be directed or scripted, if I understand them correctly. Exactly. Some of them are more scripted than others. It sort of depends. Some are able to respond to a widening and high complexity range of questions. But right, that's, that's the gist of it. So speaking of technology impacting industries, I was just at the Consumer Electronics Show, and one of the top trends I noticed from the show floor that you wrote about in your book was smart mirrors. So how do smart mirrors and AI work together? Yeah, I saw your post on Instagram, and I was really excited to see the progress. Yeah, it's come a long way. So smart mirrors are one of the industry's applications for computer vision, and this is kind of where things get confusing. So computer vision is not analogous to, nor is it a subset of artificial intelligence. It's sort of a separate field. However, today, many people working in that field are using machine learning to do tasks like image classification or object detection, which is required in a smart mirror. So the fields have become very intertwined, uh, which is why it's in the book. Now, smart mirrors can also incorporate other types of AI. So there can be pretty complicated machine learning behind their recommendation engines and also behind the way they track your engagement. So there's, for example, eye tracking in some of these mirrors. So those are just a couple more examples. And as I understand it, it's getting more sophisticated. Because I remember I've tried early versions of smart mirrors and it just felt like a sticker layered over your body and felt very hokey. But I guess Snapchat and Instagram filters have found a way to leverage that or make use of it or fun of it with the technology being at that level. But now it's actually at a level where it's real enough that it could potentially sell product and give a realistic depiction of what you're going to get as a consumer. How do you think that the technology is going to improve even more? Like, are we going to have avatar versions of ourselves that are going to be so realistic that we don't even need to try on the clothes? 
I think that a lot of people are dreaming of that. Quite possibly, I'm not really sure. I think that the technology will continue to get better. Cameras are getting better. Also, machine learning is getting better. Our ability to host that type of processing on our smartphones is getting better. So it's only going to accelerate. It's a really exciting area to be looking at right now. And yeah, thanks for mentioning that post. It was actually a funny story. I just put it up on Twitter. It was a a video of myself doing an augmented reality hair changing mirror at CES and people were telling me it was on the front page of Reddit and Imager and all of these sites. So a lot of my friends in augmented reality and in beauty tech were, you know, tagging me and saying, hey, I know this person. It was interesting because, you know, two years ago I was posting the same thing about, you know, a Toronto company called Modi Face and People got it, but it didn't seem to really take them aback the way that this did. And I think that a lot of the feedback that I was getting was that the smart mirror that they've developed would be good for in beauty salons and things like that. Like they're starting to think of a commercial use, which to me anyway signals that people are getting serious about this technology and it is fun. It's really playful, but there's also this commerce component. Yeah, it's interesting you're bringing that up. Firstly, that Instagram post was so incredible because I hadn't met you before, and I was looking at it, and I could not figure out what color your hair actually was. <laughs> um, but also, it's really interesting because we've had this sort of hype cycle, I think, with retail tech where people have been talking about smart mirrors for a really long time, but like you said, they've been kind of hokey. And up until this point, it hasn't been convincing enough, I think, for consumers to take them seriously. But we're now at this sort of tipping point where it seems like they're getting to the point where they're actually incredibly useful. Yeah, it was funny. A lot of people were asking me questions about that video, including, you know, what color is my original hair? But the question that I had or that a lot of people were asking and I was echoing was how actually does it work? Now, I know that it's using a combination of augmented reality and artificial intelligence. Yeah. So, I mean, I, every technology works a little bit differently and I can't really speak to how their specific product works. But in general, they're doing some sort of object detection, which finds your hair and masking it off and then replacing the color, probably with an overlay or something like that. And then the tracking, just the more images that they can feed it, the data gets better and more sophisticated, more nuanced. And so that's where the, the learning component comes in, as I understand. Sure. Yeah, it's possible that they're even using the demo data to train their model to get even better at masking every piece of your hair as you move around the screen. Yeah, I think they'd be silly if they weren't. Now, Let's talk about image search because this is something we use a lot of the time in the fashion industry and we're not maybe understanding that we're engaging with AI when we're doing this, but you have this moment in your book when you talk about how image search was almost popularized because of a fashion moment that happened in 2001 and it involved Jennifer Lopez. Maybe you could tell the story. Yeah, so image search is also a big topic and it incorporates a lot of nuanced different things. So I talk about image search as a general kind of concept. And then I talk about reverse image search and visual search. Image search at the time of this Jennifer Lopez moment, 2001, did not necessarily have AI. It most certainly didn't. It was reading metadata in order to find images. But it's one of my favorite fashion fun facts is that in 2001 during the Grammys, 
Jennifer Lopez wore this scandalous Versace dress that had a plunging neckline that went below her belly button. And at the time, regular Google search returned results that were just a list of links. So that didn't really work very well for searching for Jennifer Lopez's green Versace dress. And the popularity of those images catalyzed the creation of image search, which is what we know and love today in Google. Just as you're explaining that, I had to image search. I had to look at it again, the dress, the Versace dress. Maybe scandalous is the wrong word. It's just it was a very bold move. So we'll put that picture up on Electric Runway for folks who want to see it. Basically, what you're saying is that that was a moment that people started talking about or thinking about a different way to generate a search based on instead of language description, which you talk about in your book, image description or image, a language of images. And that's progressed since then. So this reverse image search, which I also mentioned, is basically you upload an image to search and then it returns similar images. And we've gone even further in the last few years where you can now do a visual search, which is distinctly different, although this is also very confusing, where you can upload an image and it will return search results of products that are inside that image. Right. So the reverse image search is you're dropping an image in and saying, find me stuff that looks like this. And it uses its computer vision, I suppose, to pull up those answers. Reverse image search, you upload an image you have and it returns images that look exactly like that image. So if it's a picture of your house and there's green grass and there's a house, uh, it will return pictures of green grass and a house. In visual search, if I upload a picture of myself wearing a sweater, it will return products that contain a similar looking sweater. And this is actually a feature, if I understand it correctly, has been featured prominently on the Google Pixel. Yes, actually, the Google Lens is a pretty powerful visual search tool. Speaking about that image search, what are the challenges with it right now? And how will this technology improve over the next few years? Basically, with visual search, understanding a user's intent is kind of challenging. So if we're having brunch and I snap your picture, how does the search know if I'm looking for your sweater or if I'm looking for the dish you're eating or the drink you're drinking. And so that's one challenge. The other challenge is curation. So even Google Lens, but all of the visual search products, they often fail at the curation stage, which is I upload an image of myself in this outfit. I'm looking for products that are inside that image, but it returns results of brands that I would never purchase from or just things that are too expensive or not expensive enough or whatever the, the case may be that just don't quite suit me. And so you think over time it'll be able to do a better job at curating that lens? Yeah, I do. And I think that one of the big opportunities with that tool is, is contextualization, right? It's very hard for a computer to really know what you're wearing or who you're with or what you're eating. Like, it doesn't know those things, but with images it can. Right, and there's like a dimension to a search criteria. So let's talk about virtual style assistants for a second. There's been a lot of buzz about home devices like Amazon Echo Look, for example. What do you think these in-home devices, such as the Google Assistant, how do you think they'll impact our fashion choices in the future? Well, so I actually had an Amazon Echo Look for a short period of time, and it was a really interesting experience getting to use it. I know it's been somewhat poorly received by the public because of privacy issues, but what I believe is it will actually become more useful when these devices or these systems are integrated into a mobile device instead of needing to be a separate piece of hardware. In terms of how it will impact our fashion choices, I can only speak from experience. A lot of machine learning, what ends up happening is it finds patterns and it 
gives you patterns. And what that ends up meaning is it gives you a reflection of what's already in popular culture. So with the Echo look, it had a bias for when I had outfits with dresses or outfits that were form-fitting. And that seems pretty conventional to me in terms of what would be fashion advice from a popular culture magazine or the Amazon device. Or my mom. Or your mom. Or something like that. It was definitely not an edgy device. But I understand the idea that you're getting it underlining it is like, isn't style personal and isn't style something more than what a computer can reproduce? Yeah. And I think what will be really interesting is when they start to become more personal and they start to learn about what your preferences are as opposed to what theirs are. That'll be the interesting thing. I want to wake up to a Cher Horowitz closet like you do. I know you mentioned it in the book is that we all grew up watching that scene from Clueless where her computer would tell her in the morning if the outfit was a match or a mismatch, make recommendations. It had this paper doll avatar of her, which, you know, touches on a lot of these different technologies that we're talking about here, but just this idea of having that personal style advice in your home. It sounds like a very enticing thing, I think, for a lot of people. We still haven't quite gotten there. You know, when it comes to AI and sales, right, how do you think that this is going to impact the sales side of things? This is a really good question. So I don't currently work at a fashion brand, so it's hard for me to speak to this directly. But I think that we're already seeing changes. For one thing, there's an ever-increasing amount of information online, an ever-increasing amount of product online. And so with that, retailers really have to develop more sophisticated ways of selling things. Otherwise, as a user, I I log in online and I'm presented with millions of options and I have no idea where to start. So these recommendation engines and other types of discovery tools like visual search, this is a huge impact on on sales for retailers. One of the things I've been fascinated with lately is how AI is trying to, or how people are trying to use AI to solve this problem of fit. It is such a huge piece for the fashion industry, obviously, because everything is around fit. But you touch on this in your book. Where do you think we are right now? Where do you think it's headed? I think there's a very obvious and pervasive fit problem in the fashion industry, and many people have tried to tackle this problem. I do go into some greater depth in the book about some of the different ways that people are doing so. One of the ways that I look at is predictive analytics, which is, again, a very similar story of a machine looking for patterns in shapes of bodies. Like, if I have this hip measurement, I'm likely to have this waist measurement, and I'm similar in fit or size to this other person that has similar dimensions. And it's able to find patterns in that data and surface it to users when they're shopping. That was part one of my two-part interview with Leanne Luce, the author of Artificial Intelligence for Fashion. If you're interested in reading the book yourself, we invite you to visit electricrunway.com where we have all the links you need to get your copy from Amazon or A-Press. That's also where you're going to find all past and future episodes of the show. For part two of my conversation with Leanne, tune in next week. As always, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, here's looking towards the future. 